How many are blessed today? Hallelujah. Aren't, aren't you glad that God puts us in, a, in the category of the blessed? And we might be a redneck, but we can also be a blessed person too. What, what, was, what was this category that he was talking about? If you are a, if you are a giver, what was, your, what was your, if you're a generous giver, that's right. You know you're a generous giver if. Remember all the, the uh, you know you're a redneck if, if your house has wheels on it or something like that, right? <laughs> you can be a redneck and a generous giver. You can be. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that God gives us an identity in Him that is is set apart. Uh, it's blessed, Amen. And uh, we've been talking about um, the winners that are. Our lovers, right? That with love you always win. Um, yeah, we're going to get some good stuff here today. Let me let me read you a couple of, of little illustrations here, all right? Uh, and then I'll let you guess what we're going to talk about today, okay? Um, Lindsay, you have to be quiet, so. Unless you've been on, oh, people are on Facebook, aren't they? You know what I'm talking about. Pretend like you don't while I read this story, okay? For those who are not Facebookers. A man approached a Little League baseball game one afternoon. He asked a boy in the dugout what the score was. The boy responded, 18 to nothing, we're behind. Boy, said the spectator, I'll bet you're discouraged. Why should I be discouraged, replied the little boy. You haven't even got up to bat yet. <laughs> Here's another one. A man sentenced to death obtained a reprieve by assuring the king he would teach his majesty's horse to fly within the air on the condition that if he didn't succeed, he would be put to death at the end of the year. Within a year, the man explained later, <clears throat> the king may die, or I might die, or the horse might die. Furthermore, in a year, who knows? Maybe the horse will learn to fly. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that we have three different levels on the podium. And what are they in, in, in 1 Corinthians 13? Now abides faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. What did we talk about the last time we got together and talked about love? Can you remember what it was? It's about believing, right? Love believes all things. Really cool thing, because remember Jesus said, if you can only believe, all things are possible to those who believe, right? <clears throat> but following belief, it's interesting that it says, hopes all things. And what is, love is the winner, right? It says the greatest of these is love. And why is the greatest of these love? Because you get love and you get belief. You get love and you get hope. They're included in the package. You get a threefer. Right? It all comes together. So, we're going to talk about hope today. That hope comes with love. And it's, it's an, a very important part of it. It's a forward gaze. It's a forward gaze that is transformed by our new nature in Christ. 
How many know somebody that just sees the negative in everything? You have to pry something good out of them. <laughs> I'm so thankful that that's not a nature that God gives us. I'm thankful for that. There's no condemnation to anybody that happens to do that. But I'm so thankful that I don't have to be bound in that. And I, I can tend, anybody want to fess up here this morning? You can tend to be on the negative side when you're looking forward. You can tend to think about where you've been. You can think, think about where you're at. And things can look rather hopeless, right? Or you can lose hope altogether. What's the greatest danger in, hope, in losing hope? The greatest danger in losing hope is giving up, Right? Because it's amazing, you know, we had a, we had a Super Bowl here, what, a couple of years ago? Um, Jean-Pierre, I, I won't pick on him too much because he's not here, but he gave up. And if he'd have been on that team, if he'd have been the quarterback of the Patriots, they would have lost that game because he gave up. Jean-Pierre gave up. Not like the rest of us because we didn't care. We weren't going to give up. We were there to the end. <laughs> <laughs> but Tom Brady did not look at being behind by, how many touchdowns was he behind? Three touchdowns or something? I know, we get sick and tired of praising Tom Brady. But, but there's something about him that is very important. If you're going to win with love, hope has to be a part of it. It's not just to say, I have the love of God, I am the love of God, because I have the nature of God. No, you don't if you're not letting hope become a part of that transformation. And hope with God hopes in all things. So, I like this because, you know what, we're not just supposed to, to love other people, we're supposed to love ourselves, aren't we? So this thing about hope is going to have to go to every aspect of our life. If it's going to, we're going to have to almost become weird. Do you know anybody that's weird about being hopeful? You just can't pry something negative out of them? You try to tell them how terrible it is, and they say, yeah, but look at this. The world was dark. It was without form and void. It was hopeless. But God. But God. God doesn't see things the way. He, he speaks to those things that be not as though they were. How can you do that without hope? Without seeing the possibilities? It's a change of nature. It's a change of nature that is part of love. It sees the possibilities, not the negatives. And it's able to, because every time, it wasn't enough for Tom Brady to sit on the sideline and say, I hope we win. I have a really strong hope that we're going to win. So therefore we are, no, because what has to happen with hope is just like what has to happen with faith. It's not enough to just believe. You have to do something, don't you? The purpose of hope is to activate. So what's, what's the greatest way to ensure that you're going to fail? To give up, right? You will fail if you give up. So what is the purpose of hope? Not to just give you an, an idea that you're going to win. To motivate. To get you in motion. Because what is the power of not giving up, doing what it takes to win, right? Are you following me on this? 
<laughs> so here we are with love. Love hopes all things. Now, when we were talking about believing, we kind of labored on the all things part of this. What I want to, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit different direction today, so I'm not going to hang, I'm not going to worry about definitions and stuff as, as, as much. We're going to look at, go a little bit different uh, method here this morning. But I, I want to get all these translations in here real quick. Um, King James hopes all things. Its hopes are fadeless. Have you ever had a hope that faded? I sure have. I have some right now that need to be turned up in their brightness a little bit. You know? Under all circumstances, doesn't matter what's going on around, doesn't matter how terrible the situation, the, fade, the hope does not fade. Always expects the best of him. So that has to do with somebody else. This is very powerful if we get this. The problem is if you try to just generate a hope that will help somebody else, it's not going to work because it's not, hope doesn't just work on somebody else. It has to work on everything. That's why it says hopes all things. It has to become a part of your nature that you're a hoper now. You used to be a whiner and a bellyacher. What bothered God most about the children of Israel in the wilderness? They couldn't, even, they couldn't even hang on to God's promise that they would go to the promised land. They got, and they, they just saw the negative. Well, we don't get to eat Big Macs every, you know, we don't, we don't get a menu of what we want to eat. We have to eat this, these quail and the manna. We have to bellyache, they're only seeing the negative, only seeing the negative. You know what, why, why that is? And let's give them a break a little bit. They were slaves in Egypt for so long. They got used to seeing the negative all the time. Right? In fact, Moses wouldn't have been able to see the, the, the positive unless God came along and beat him over the head a little bit. You know what I mean? He said, I'm stutter. I can't do this. I can't do that. I, I, he starts pointing out the negative to God. <laughs> right? God says, if I could just get you to hope a little bit. And he gets Joshua and Caleb, right? They go into the promised land. What did they see? They saw hope. They saw hope where the ten other guys could only see doubt. And what, what, what was the result of the lack of hope, the lost hope? They could not move. They had to give up. They had to give up. Did you know there's promises of God that are active for us right now that will only be experienced, lived, will not die in the wilderness is if we start hoping them. Believing what God has actually said. Hope and belief go together. Hope is the forward look of belief. Amen? All right. And, and the message, it never looks back. It's really hard to look two directions at once unless you become really, you're one of those lizards, you know? And they can look all over at once. It's really hard to look forward and back at the same time. I don't care how Google, Google eye you are. And you know, Pastor Kim and I were talking yesterday. It's really hard to lead somebody up if you're going down. You know? It's, it's, it's hard to win if you're looking at losing. 
all the time, right? So I thought this message one was interesting. It's not even talking about necessarily a, a forward gaze. It's just saying it's, a, it's never a, a backwards gaze. It's never a now gaze. It's a forward gaze all the time. Amen? I tell you what, this is so powerful. Let's get this this morning. Can we do this? Say, I'm going to get this this morning. So hope's purpose is for forward movement. Let's go somewhere, right? Towards an answer, a victory, and a deliverance. Man, there's so many examples of this, but we're just going to touch on a few here today because my wife is not here because my um, grandson is getting ready to say hello. And so... I got to jump in my truck and head to Louisiana when I, we get done here this morning. So, so your, your prayers have been answered. I might be a little bit shorter than normal. Okay. So without hope is the only assurance of defeat, which is giving up. I've said some of these things already, but let's, let's, let's hit these, okay? Hope is built on a promise. It's dependent upon that promise's keeper for its stability. And we're going we're gonna to touch on this because... Even if you might be negative in a lot of things, there's areas that you do have hope in because those are the ones that you move towards. There's areas that you have hope in, that you trust in, that you lean upon. We talked on Wednesday that you get comfort from. And those are the things that you go towards. You look towards them as an answer for you. And so we are not, any of us are not without hope. It's just what is your hope based upon. So that's what this is talking about. <clears throat> With love, you get both faith and hope, and they're both action enablers. I know I've already preached this, but I'm saying it again right here in the list. All right? Hope in Christ becomes part of the new nature. How many are a new creation in Christ? You know, it says old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Guess what gets to become new? Your view. Now your view is so intent on forward that it's completely oblivious to what's around or what was behind. Amen? It's hopeful. It's directed upward. Amen? Because we have promises that are better than a promised land in Christ. Amen? And the only thing that keeps us from going there now and for eternity is which way we're looking. Amen? So, when, when we get in Christ, we're given a new nature. But how many know that even though you have a capacity to do something, it needs to be developed. It needs to grow. So many times in the New Testament, it talks about becoming developed and perfected in who we've been made to be already in Christ. And the problem, just like the children of Israel coming out of being slaves in, the, in, in Egypt, is we get used to a, a sideward glance. We get used to a backward glance. It becomes part of our natural nature. Somebody asks us how we do, we're doing and we start looking around to tell them how we're doing. Or behind. Oh, but this is what I went through. we got to tell them a story. Right? And what have we been given in Christ? You know what? The only past that we should have 
now is the cross. The only past we should have now is the stance that the cross has given us for victory going forward. Amen? <laughs> so now we have a nature of eternal, weird, unfigureoutable optimism. Right? What is optimism? Seeing hope in every situation. Seeing possibilities where nobody else can see them. Amen? Where do we get? We get those from God. That's His nature. That's what He shows. In, aren't you glad He does that with us? <laughs> Wouldn't it be really bad if God was not an optimist? That would be a bummer, wouldn't it? <laughs> so this is both for ourselves and for others. Amen? All right, let's look here. 1 Samuel 17, 11. <clears throat> Again, there's so many examples, but I just want to look at this real quick. I think there's a couple things we can, we can uh, draw on to begin to become developed in hope. It's going to have to be, you know, I was thinking about this, even, even talking about love. Anybody getting tired of talking about love here this morning? Good, because I'm going to beat up on you. No, I'm, I'm going to think an evil. No, 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 that's not love either. So, it, um, I was thinking about it this way. You know, people go, they, they take courses. School's going on right now. People go to school. You guys go to school. Are you learning math? Are you learning science? Are you learning government are you learning any of those kinds of things and what do they do they make you go to school all year long Every, well you you got off you alternate days now don't you is that what you do you go to the same class every day really okay a lot of schools alternate liberty hills different you're the you're the block schedule okay however you go longer sessions i think is that how it works um when you go in the block schedule anyway they go all year long just to learn some stuff that they're not going to remember the rest of their life. Science, you know, geometry. Um, oh. Oh. <laughs> well, you, you have the potential to use it later on in your life, just whether or not you do is, is, um, is up to you, I guess. But, but I was thinking about this. Why does it take all year long going to the same class five days a week to learn something? Because you don't know it yet. Duh. And you're not, you're not even used to doing that yet. You know, to learn an instrument, you gotta, I had to practice five hours a day. Why? Because I didn't know how to play yet. And I wanted to learn how. And I'm thinking, this love thing is more important than science, than playing an instrument. It's more important than anything else. And we are so ignorant, we're so used to doing things the wrong way, that it's going to take a purposeful, intentional approach to saying, I'm not going to be that way anymore. I'm going to do some things different than I've done before. Amen? So, I want to draw out something about what David's doing here with this giant guy, okay? So when Saul and his troops heard the Philistines challenged, they were what? They were terrified, and they lost 
all hope. Which one of the which one of the, the warriors of the Israelites could have gone out and defeated Goliath? Any of them. Right? Why did they they were immobilized, weren't they? Nobody could move. Why? Because they couldn't see what the possibilities were. Right? They couldn't see what was theirs. And David comes along. He hasn't been educated in negativity. He's been out in the pasture. And uh, he was told that he was a child of God. That God was his God. And that because he was a circumcised Israelite. The very nature of God was in him. He, he, he had a God that would watch over him. That if he was told to watch over the sheep, that he could defend the sheep. Right? So a lion comes. And what does he do? He says that lion is not going to come in here and kill any of these sheep. Because I'm in charge and God is my God. Right? So what did he see? You know, a lot of people... And probably every one of those warriors on the Israelites in the pasture with the sheep would have said, run away, run away, right? But David didn't know enough to be negative. And he learned to be optimistic. He learned to see the possibilities in the attack. In the circumstance. He learned to see the possibilities and what could happen. And what did he do? He kills the lion. He kills the bear. So when he goes to the, when he goes to the battlefield and sees Goliath, he just sees possibilities. He has hope. He has hope that is built on something, though. And can you see what his hope is built upon? Don't you like that? You know, I was thinking about that song. My hope is built on Nothing less. You know, there's things that are less. And, and if, if our hopes are being established on something else, they will fail in the time of battle because the only hope that will succeed every single time is love's hope. Right? Because hope, love hopes all things. It, 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 it doesn't fall away in certain times, right? The hope we get in love causes us to triumph all the time, all right? But there's, so there's a couple things he's doing, though, all right? He's established upon a promise. He's, he's established upon a promise that if there's something that is anti-God in his path, he's going to overcome it because that's his God promise, Right? Back in Deuteronomy, well, it's, it's like that psalm we, we, we uh, read before the, the service this morning. Let the people praise thee, then the earth shall give its increase. Old Testament God over and over again said, if you follow in the steps I give you, if you walk in the way that I tell you to go, you will triumph in every situation. This is what David had inside of him. He said, I love your words. I love your words. Why? Because they become the foundation of my hope. But what was it that caused David to be triumphant over the, the giant? It wasn't just a hope that sat on the sidelines. It was a hope that got on the field. And it was a hope 
that he took hold of in the face of the giant. Does no good to have hope if you're not in the face of a giant. Speaking to the giant. What did he do? He, he yelled at the giant, didn't he? He said, you're coming down. Sometimes for hope to live, it requires a shout. It requires something coming out of our mouth that's declaring the foundation of our hope for it to come down. Amen? Necessity of hope's foundation, especially for all things. So a living hope has two actions. It's a running to and it's a laying hold upon. So what you're doing is you're running at the, you're running at the situation. You're not backing away from it at all. You're going towards it. What happens if you back away? You give up, right? But if you're going towards it, you're already committed. <laughs> you're already committed towards it. And then what do you do? You lay hold upon the promise in the face of the giant. You say, you're coming down because I have a promise that's bigger than you. Amen? All right, Ephesians 2. All right, I got to hurry up so I can get to Louisiana here. So It's good though, amen? Ephesians 2.11 Remember that at, at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope. You were without hope and without God in the world. There was a time that we did not have hope. You could hope in riches. You could hope in friends. You could hope in all kinds of things. But those, all of them failed. So there was a time when each one, uh, each one of us were without hope. There was a time when we could legitimately be a bellyacher. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What's happened? Your nature has been changed now. Now you've been given one of hope. Amen? No longer are you separated. You've been given a nature that is an overcomer. Right? All right, let's look here at some more. Hebrews 6, 16. When a man takes an oath, okay, this, this, is, talking about, this, this is talking about the foundation upon which our hope is built, okay? It's, it's nice to sing a song about my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This kind of defines it a little bit, okay? When a man takes an oath, he is calling upon someone greater than himself to force him to do what he has promised or to punish him if he later refuses to do it. The oath ends all argument about it. Now, this has to do kind of like with a contract or something, right? Now, I think Michael has an understanding of contracts and, and oaths that are taken. If, and and uh, if sometimes, you used to be able to just do it with, with a handshake, right? It's on my word. That's kind of what this is talking about. If you lay your word upon something, now it's who you are that has to do with it. Right? And you're being held to it. God also bound himself with an oath. So that those he promised to help would be perfectly sure and never need to wonder whether he might change his plans. So here's what God is doing. When, when he makes a promise to us, he's not just throwing out uh, like, I think we have to be careful with our kids. Sometimes we might do this with our kids. We might say, you know, that we're going to do something for them and then we don't necessarily follow through and do it. Disney World. Disney World. See, he's got some examples. 
and I'll humbly let him help me with, uh, and what else? Hunting, yes. Uh, but see, life is not over. There's still a Disney World, and there's still a place to go hunting, so uh, there's, there's hope, yes. Very good, thank you. That, that was good. <laughs> but I'm also thankful that, that, that with God, there's a better um, foundation for that oath. When, when God says something, he says, I bind it upon who I am. It's not just something that comes out of my mouth. It's my nature. It's who I am. It's, it's, I'm the great I am. When I say something, you don't have to wonder if it's going to happen. It's based upon an oath that I put my own reputation and self upon. Amen? So now, when we, we, we really have a reason to get out of the negative and get into the positive because God has promised us all things that we can need. He's, he said, I won't withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. He's, he's making an oath to us. This is upon him, his own self. Now, what, are, what would happen if you shook hands on somebody, with somebody on something, and they started bad-mouthing you and saying that that guy does not keep his promise? Be quiet. <laughs> what would happen? And I'm going through this right now in front of you all. <laughs> it would really be rude, wouldn't it? For one thing, it would really be. Rude. <laughs> it was mom. It was mom. Okay. <laughs> but if, if if you if you had a business, you know, buddy was talking to me about relationships are so important in business, and if you were to. If you were to say, I, I give you my word that that's going to be done, and, and then somebody starts acting like you never gave them your word, that would be a, that would be a, that would be a, a severing of relationship, wouldn't it? You know, we, we can have God, we can claim God as our God, but when he, when he promises us something, we start acting like it's not true. We start speaking negative about what he's promised he's going to do. What is that doing to relationship? Nothing on his side. It's us. Right? Because we've chosen to not have hope where he's given us a reason to have hope. Is this good? All right. Nobody's feeling condemned, but we're, we're given hope, right? All right. I'm going on in the same passage. He has given us both his promise and his oath. So he's, he said, I promise you this, and I I base it upon who I am. So it cannot change. It cannot change. Two things we can completely count on. For it is impossible for God to tell a lie. Now all those who flee to Him to save them can take new courage when they hear such assurances from God. Now they can know without doubt that He will give them the salvation He has promised them. Is this good? All right, and we're still not done. This certain hope, how, aren't you glad that we don't have to have a, a, a fishy or a faded or, a, or a, a wondering hope? It's a certain hope. Amen? Of being saved is a, is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls, connecting us with God himself behind the sacred curtains of heaven. 
where Christ has gone ahead to plead for us from his position as our high priest with the honor and rank of Melchizedek. We have Jesus on our behalf right now as our advocate pleading our case based upon what God has promised and his oath. What should be our adjusted focus? What should be something we begin to say? I cannot be the negative anymore. I have to be the positive. Didn't you like that song we were singing this morning? The, the first one? Uh, echo in my soul. It's an echo. We, we need security in our souls. It's never found in the negative. God hasn't anointed us to fix problems or to notice them. He's anointed us to speak to the problems. Amen? And He's the fixer. We, and when we start pointing out and trying to, to solve every problem, what are we doing? We're taking God's place, aren't we? Right? So, Again, that, that first song, how's it go? It's, it's talking about his love. Yeah, don't you like that? Your love is holding on and, and it won't let go. I feel it breaking out like an echo, an echo in my soul. To me, that, that speaks of the hope that we have. He's not going to let go of his promise. He's not going to let go of that. What does it do? It creates a foundation in our soul for hope. Amen? The problem is it's still our option. God doesn't force it on us. It's love. Love is never imposing. It's only compelling. It's saying, come here. I can take you to a place where you don't ever have to be bound in negativity anymore. How many enjoy being negative? It's not fun. Something that we get used to doing becomes a natural thing, and it's actually just a bondage. That's all it is, right? Okay, First, First Peter 1, 3. Are you still with me? It's still early, so good, right? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope. Isn't that cool? You ever think about hope as being alive? I like this because it's not just it's not just something it's like it's like in motion what is it how do you know something's alive when it's moving when it's active when it's causing something to take place right in his great mercy he's given given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Is that cool? We have a nature now that is a nature of living, moving, responding to promises, responding to God's presence. With hope. Amen. Optimism. Is this good?
<laughs> now, this will be active towards ourselves, and it will be evidence of love. It's the nature of love. Love is positive. Love is never negative. It's never pointing out the negative. It's always looking to the possibilities. You know what? You can build on possibilities, uh, on, on positive. It's really hard to build on negative. If there's a need for correction from negative, it comes much better from a positive. Right? Saying what, what you can do rather than what you can't. <laughs> you, you, you find this in baseball. You know, Braden started playing baseball a little bit. And uh, the problem with oldsters like me is it's really frustrating when a little kid is trying to do something and they're not doing it right. And what you want to do is point out what they're doing wrong. And you know what? That doesn't have a lot of positive results. Because all it does is make them feel like they can't do it. You know? But if you take them and you show them how to do it, and you say, this is how you do it. This is what you can do. And they hit it, or they catch it, and all of a sudden they have hope. But I've noticed this with myself, and I noticed it with some other of the, of the fathers, is you can get frustrated and start being, wanting to point out what that negative is. And all that does is magnify the negative. And you get more, what you magnify, you get more of. And if you want to get the positive, that's why God's love comes along and says, I want you to hope all things. What, what happens when God hopes in us? It causes the, Aren't you glad there's possibilities in us? We don't have to get bound up in our negatives, but God speaks to the positive in us. And He magnifies it. Isn't that good? All right, I'm liking this. Isn't the Word of God great? Aren't you glad we can build our lives upon it? Not well, we come up with our own little noodles. <laughs> okay. All right, I already read all that, didn't I? Okay. Praise God. So, I was thinking about it this way. You know, I I, uh, I went to the University of Denver, and I took I took some classes in. I, I took a Holocaust class, and uh, in the Holocaust class, there was a, there was a book I had to read, and it, it was on survivors of the prison camps. And it 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 talked about what they had to do to survive. What it was in the nature of... Because you know what? There were people that went like all the way through a concentration camp and survived. Because millions did not. But there was something about some people that made it so they could be in a concentration camp where... Filthy. Talk about circumstances. Talking about a, a, a place where you might feel completely hopeless. You're a Jew. You're condemned to die. And yet, there were some people that survived. How did they do it? Well, it's interesting to read, read books like that. And you find out how they had to position themselves. They had to become a helper in some way. They had to do something. But consistently down the board... What they had to have was hope. Because what, what, the, what the Nazis did immediately was they would try to, to strip hope 
from the people right when they came off the trains. There was a way that they, part, part of what they would do is cause them to, to, um, to wet themselves and to have, you know, to have movements on themselves. And what it would cause them to do is to feel such shame on themselves. And in the process of that, they would lose hope. And if they could get them to lose hope, it was just real easy. They would just walk right into the things. That's how they did it. You know, a, a lot of Nazis were, were amazed that they could ha- that there could be that few soldiers to control that many people. How did they do it? They stripped hope away from them. Because every time you can maintain hope, you can survive in the, in the most degrading, disgusting circumstances. We think we have problems. We don't have anything compared to what some people are going through, right? I want to show you a little video here, okay? This, this is amazing. We call it having a trick baby. Two strangers meet for a business transaction, and there's a mistake. The pimp said, you can't make any money having a baby in the oven. We have got to kill this baby. They kicked her in the stomach. They fed her alcohol. They gave her drugs. They took a hanger and stabbed the baby over and over again. But the baby would not die. The baby was born two months premature with no pancreas, a learning disability, a bladder too small, unable to function, a severe stutterer. We call it a trick baby. Nobody wants the baby. No hope, no future. Kill it was the word. That baby was me. I'm the lowest of the low. I come from the guttermost. I come from a hellish condition. And so when I would go to school, I couldn't talk. I stuttered so severely from the trauma. My mother had a madam who hated men. Her name was Dolores, and she was a sadist. And when she would watch me, she would take a broomstick and stick it in a place where no boy should have any object in his body. And when you are tortured like that, you learn four things. Don't talk. Don't trust. Don't feel and pretend nothing is happening. And by age 10, I had had enough. I want it to die. And in my school, they put me in a boiler room with other kids who were dysfunctional like me, where we would finger paint all day long. And yet there was a teacher, thank God for her, who had a Gideon Bible. And she came to my school, and she saw kids like me as her mission field. And she would give me this Gideon Bible and read to me stories of dysfunctional characters who God used. She would say to me, Ronaldo, God uses greatly those who have been wounded very deeply. He will turn your pain into power, your wounds into wisdom. She had me read the story of Moses, who was also a stutterer. I began to understand that God did love a trick baby, even as low as I was. There was hope for me and possibility. And when a child begins to understand the love of God and the power of his word and the possibilities, it changes everything. How can a young man keep his way clean by taking heed according to your word. Your word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against thee. I began to memorize the Bible, that Gideon Bible, reading 2,000 scriptures. And when you put that kind
kind of word in a life, something begins to happen. My stuttering went away. I stopped wetting the bed. I stood tall. I became valedictorian, became a pastor and priest until everybody in my family got saved. Why? Because somebody placed the Gideon Bible in a woman's hand that changed a life forever. Yes, I was born a trick baby, but the trick was on the devil because of you and the power of the word of God. Is that amazing? <laughs> you know, I, I was thinking about that lady. She didn't see impossible kids when she went to work. She is affected by the love of God, wasn't she? Aren't you glad that God looked down on the earth and He loved us so, man, so much that He didn't see impossibilities. He saw a promise. He saw hope. Amen? He sent Jesus so nobody has to perish. Nobody has to fail. Nobody. And if that's His heart, that, that's our heart. Amen? That's the, that's the heart of God. That's love. And what love can do if we're allowed to get out of our negative approach. And see hope. Hope all things. Hope all things. This is a transformation. This is a necessity for us to be transformed in this. Amen? We have to take it serious because it's not going to happen accidentally. It doesn't, it doesn't happen by metamorphosis. It, it happens by developed patterns of change. Amen? I just want to challenge this this morning, okay? For both self and others, uh, hope sees victory in the middle of defeat. It remains steadfast in the necessary actions that will ensure that victory. Right? So I want to challenge us this morning. Let's, let's do something with, with this truth today, okay? Let's put a little bit of action. Can, can we do some homework? Because I, I guarantee you, we've got stuff in our life. We've got things about ourselves That instead of, of just knowing that it's wrong and being frustrated, let's do something with it. Amen? Because the God kind of hope and the God kind of love does something with hope. It moves on it. It gets on the battlefield with it. And it has a foundation that is, that is based upon the promises of God. We went through these promises. We have a new nature in Him. We have everything provided for us in Him. Amen? I just challenge you to do this. Write down at least three things going on in your life. Adversities that appear to be impossible. It could be in you. It could be uh, your circumstances. It could be a loved one. It could be a relationship. But then write down what salvation has provided. What has been provided in that in Christ? How, how can we have hope in this? Amen? Because this is up to us. We've got a whole Bible full of this telling us what we've got. Amen? And then begin, in these, at least these three instances, let's begin to become very defensive of them. Of those situations, whatever they are. That if God has provided salvation for them, how can we get on the other side of His salvation and be speaking anything negative? Amen? How can we be on the other side of God's hope for their life? By speaking the 
by losing hope, by giving up. Amen? We have, a, we have a purpose in our life. It's to not give up on those around us, not give up on ourselves, not to entertain the devil's thoughts about those things. Amen? But to actively be doing something. If you, <coughs> if you want to really affect something for good, what do you do? You write it down. You start to document it. You start to put, give yourself some, some uh, accountability with regard to it. Amen? Can we do this? Can we be affected by this? Transformed. You know, sometimes we want to just come in and have God. God, just transform me. Just fix me in all kinds of ways. And we just want him to come in and just go, I am the potter, or, or you are the potter, I am the clay. We just want him to just, and, and then we get done, and then we, we didn't have anything to do with it. God just did everything. And God says, no, this is a partnership. I provided my word for you to begin to apply it. My word is my hands on your clay. Amen? You submit to what my word says, and you will be changed. Amen? But you have to activate it. Hope that is not on the battlefield, is not doing anything, is not laying hold, is not effective at all. Just like faith that has no works. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for each other. We thank you for that person on our left and on our right, Lord God. We, we thank you that you've met us here as you promised you said that where two or three are gathered, you are here. So, Lord God, we, we're, we're encouraged. We're just, we're, we're so delighting in you today just to, to be here in your presence. But, Father, we just thank you that you are continuing to do a work in our life. The promise that you gave us that, that he that began a good work is going to continue it until it's fully completed in us. And so, Father, we submit ourselves to your hands upon our life right now through your word. And Lord God, where we, we submit to your Holy Spirit's correction in our life. Lord, where we become used to a backward glance or a sideward glance. And, and we've allowed it to affect our ability to move forward to your promise, Lord God. We pray that our hearts would be arrested and that we would be given from your word a different way to go, a way of hope, a way of possibilities. Lord, I thank you and I speak this over each person here today, that they are a new creation in you. All things are passed away. All things are become new. And one of the greatest things you've given us in our new nature, Lord God, is an upward gaze, a positive gaze, a one that is full of hope based upon your promises and your oath that confirms them. You will never change. And we glorify you for that. You are faithful. But Father God, in your faithfulness, you call us to hope, to a living hope. To one that is alive. And you know it is because it's on the battlefield. Taking hold. Laying hold of promises you've given it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I see this body as a body that's growing up in you. Growing up in your love, Lord God. 
And I see a body that because we're growing up in your love, there's blessings, Lord God, that you are enabled to impart to us. Blessings that will equip us to be greater and greater vessels of your love, Lord God. And like that psalm we we referred to at the beginning, then the world will see our increase and they'll fear you and you will be glorified and people will be drawn to their place in you. Hallelujah. God, I give you thanks for that today. If there's anybody here, you've never made Jesus your Lord, it's the most important thing you'll ever do. It's more important than marriage. It's more important than job decisions. It's an eternal decision that you have to make yourself. Jesus came. He gave his life for you. He laid down his life so that that you could have a, a living hope in you. Not limited to this life on this earth, but beyond this even. He came to take the sting of death from you. He came to take the power of sin from you. He, he came to deliver you from anything that would be an infirmity or a bondage in your life. He said, all you have to do is receive me as your Savior. So if you've never made him your Lord, he said, all that call on the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. So I invite you to do that right now, just before God. Say, Jesus, be my Savior. I'll serve you the rest of my life. I turn away from the sins that have been a bondage in my life, and I I allow you to be my Lord. And I'll follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for a new nature. Nature of hope. Hallelujah. When you pray that prayer, you are a new creation. No longer are you separated from hope, but you're made one with it in Christ. You're given life in Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just raise our hands and and, and lift up gratitude for our salvation. For our nature that we have in Christ. For the future, for the hope that we have in Him. Hallelujah.